census taker once tried to test me. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. Episode 285 of the Throwdown Thursday Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Rayhope. You can call me Patsy the Angry Nerd. We are here in the Magenta Manor uh, Pat Cave, and we are brought to you, of course, as always, by Deadly Grounds Coffee and the Dorkening Network, in addition to our new sponsor, Silk City Hot Sauce. Uh, more about them in our first ad break. Uh but I am not here by myself. I am, of course, joined by my co-host on the show, my co-host in life. She is <gasps> the Baroness of Bordeaux, the Countess of Cabernet, the Mistress of Merlot, the Queen Regent of Rosé, the Princess of Prosecco, the Michael Phelps of Wine, the Real Housewife of Transylvania, the Queen of the Monsters, and an Honorary Lizzie, ladies and gentlemen, Ashes von Nightmare. Hello. I I'm here. I feel like I'm missing a, a... I feel like you're missing something, too, but you know what? I don't even remember at this there, point. There, there are, are so enough. many. Yeah. So many. There are enough. Enough names. I'm like, sure, that sounds right. Yeah, and there's enough. I'm sure there there's some, and if if you know which one I missed, you know the feel Mistress of Merlot, the Queen of the Monsters, the Breaker of Bottles, the... Uh, I don't know. Man. Hugger of cats. Yeah, hugger of cats. <laughs> but oh we God, are uh, we are in our are in our we are in our second week of our three week uh, karate kid podcastathon. Karate Cobra. Cobra Kid. Kid Kai. Cobra Kid. <laughs> Cobra Kid. Cobra Kid Do. Um, yeah, and we we're going to be discussing this week Daniel Larusso, but. Ashes, you, you had an idea for our getting into character question when we first watched... But before we get into character, we have some character news that we need to talk about. Well, yeah, we always have character news, but I was just going to say, like, because of a specific behavior I had, and that's kind of what we'll... gave you the... Yeah, I'm, I'm getting... I'm, let me finish. Hold on. What I was going to say is the getting into character question was inspired by something that I did uh, recently. But before we do that, we're get, that's what I was trying to say. Oh, oh sure. Yeah. Sure. Because yeah. we talked all about it. Uh-huh. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So for today's characters in the news section, we have to come up with a better name for that because that's just kind of lame. So you're uh, the one who The came Character up with Chronicles. That oh. Yeah. Wait, yeah. Well, I don't see you putting in any effort. Yeah. Thank you very much. I edit the show. So, anyways, Joss Whedon, our buddy, our best friend, is in the news again. Hashtag fuck Joss Whedon. Being an asshole must be a day that ends in Y. Regarding Gal Gadot's accusations of mistreatment during the whole Justice League thing. Debacle. 
Uh, Whedon was quoted saying, English is not her first language, and I tend to be annoyingly flowery in my speech, thus digging himself into an even bigger ditch than he's already in. It's not even a stupid ditch at this point it's a black hole he is he is uh he has created cre- himself a black hole of just bullshit he has recreated the core starring oscar winner hillary swank and oscar nominee aaron eckhart and oscar nominee stanley tucci i'm sure he's been nominated oh yeah oh he has oh to yeah have been. so i don't know if that was right but you know i'm sure. saying it anyways um yeah especially Saying that to someone who speaks several languages. Well, that's the thing. Like you know, I yes, English is not her first language, but she speaks multiple languages, and um, she speaks English better than most natural English-speaking people. I can think I of politicians that don't speak English as well as she does. Bigly. Yes. 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 Um, but yeah, I mean that just furthers my my. Uh, my campaign of hashtag fuck Joss Whedon. Exactly. Because everything this guy does, like talking about how uh, Ray Fisher was just a bad actor, like in both senses of the word, That's that was what he said. Um, I thought he was fucking great in the, in the Snyder Cut. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. I, I don't know what Whedon wants. Like... I, I don't. I don't. I mean, I, I know he, what he wants. Well, no, but here's but the like, thing: like, I don't think he knows what he wants. I think he's a terrible director, and he blames everybody else for his shortcomings. Yeah, he. It, again, I bring it back to the quote from uh, Alien Resurrection, where he basically said that his script was perfect and everything he did was amazing, but everybody else got everything wrong. Oscar winner Brad Dorff doesn't know how to uh, deliver his lines. Sigourney Weaver doesn't know how to deliver her lines. Nobody knows how to write. They don't know how to score. Nobody knows how to do anything except him. He's the greatest. He's the best. Like, this is what I don't understand about this piece of shit, because he keeps going and going and going and going and going and making things, and then as soon as he's done making them, he complains about them nonstop. Oh, to have the confidence of a mediocre, subpar white man. Like, I wouldn't even put him as mediocre. Like, he has some good ideas. Um, I mean, I've never watched Buffy, so I can't comment on it one way or the other. Um the Avengers was pretty good, but apparently he had, you know, they didn't do what he wanted to do. So I have to assume that if he had done what he wanted to do, it wouldn't have been as good. And then he complained nonstop about the Avengers, but comes back to do Avengers 2. Like, I don't get it. Like, that's that's what I don't understand. It's like, oh, they didn't let me do what I wanted to do and everything I wanted to do. They they said no, and I hated it. It was a terrible experience. Do you want to do Avengers 2? Absolutely. So he doesn't mind compromising his principles as long as there's money involved. And I can say confidently that the Snyder Cut of Justice League was a thousand times better than the uh, Whedon version. I did not care for it. Uh, although to be fair, I didn't care as much for Batman versus Superman. Um, but I really liked the Snyder cut, especially I liked the fact that it was four hours long. So moving on, uh, the trailer for the Moon Knight series has dropped. 
Yes. Um, I like Moon Knight. He's one of those really awesome, like, batshit crazy. Imagine if, like, Batman had Deadpool's personality. Like, because he's kind of wild and wacky that way. But he's also, like, he can be serious and super deadly. Um, I like the casting of Oscar Isaac. I campaigned not that anyone listened to me but I was I was on the Keanu Reeves for Moon Knight bandwagon cuz I think that would have been awesome but I mean I'm 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 fine with Oscar Isaac I liked him as as Poe Dameron I didn't realize it was going to be a series I thought it was going to be a film I don't think I remembered one way or the other what it was supposed to be So I think it's going to be interesting where people like me uh who have no idea who Moon Knight is. We'll be doing an episode. Uh, obviously. Uh, so stay tuned, kids. That's in the future. But, um, you know, for people like me who have no clue who this person is, who this, this you know, superhero comic book character is, uh, I think introducing them in a series will shed more light on their backstory versus, you know, trying to cram everything into a to well i mean nowadays two and a half three hour film yeah um yeah that makes sense so uh sadder news as far as um that that show coming out uh the moon knight coming out uh uh gaspard uliel and i am probably butchering his name uh, i knew him as hannibal in hannibal rising uh, he is in the the new the new Moon Knight as Anton Mogart Mogart Mogar. I don't know. I'm guessing French a French pronunciation for this character as he is very French. Um, he uh, unfortunately passed away yes uh, today actually earlier today as we're recording this uh, in a tragic skiing accident. Mm. So he won't even get the chance to see the final product of uh, Moon Knight. Wow. So that's unfortunate. Um, yeah, it's not, uh, you know, it's not the, the, the type of news we like to break on this show, but unfortunately, yeah, uh, January 19th, he was 37 years old. So what else you got? A new season of Disenchantment comes to Netflix on February 9th. Is that season five? I believe four? I five. Forget. I think it's five. Well, it's uh, up in the group. We can just it's take a, a look. It's a new season. Yes, it's the, the, the newest the season. The most recent season coming out. The recent season. Uh, I And I'm... Yeah, it doesn't say what season. It just says... Uh, New new season, Bow Down, Disenchantment Returns, February 9th. I, I'm all here for it. I mean, it's a great show. I'm excited. I mean, we've done we've done an episode with our our, our buddies from uh, from the Best Darn Diddly podcast on on Princess Tiabini. So, and uh, lastly, we have a couple of casting announcements that came out this week. So, in really interesting news, Daniel Radcliffe is set to star as Grammy-winning musician Weird Al Yankovic in the Roku original movie Weird, The Weird Al Yankovic Story. 
The film is Roku's first original biopic and will be available to stream exclusively on the Roku channel. The project is produced by Funny or Die and Tango. Yankovic co-wrote the film's script with Eric Appel, who is also set to direct the project. And, you know, this is a guy, Daniel Radcliffe, that, you know, years ago I was worried would be typecast. It's like, oh, he's only going to be Harry Potter. Because... Love his film choices. Oh, Guns Akimbo, Swiss Army Man. Um, There's that that horns. I think that that show that he is a part of, like the magician, the mad something. Oh, he was also very good as Igor in the 2015 uh, Victor Frankenstein film. But he's chosen. Uh, he doesn't do a lot. Well, and he's done some. Um, Theater. Some stage stuff yes. too. Uh, Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Did he do Hedwig? Yes, because people were talking about him showing off his wand. Oh, his his Angry Inch. His swish and flick. Yeah, his Swiss Army Man. Yes, <laughs> uh, but that was still while Harry Potter was going on. Um, you don't you haven't seen as much from the other folks from that film that film series, like you know. Obviously, uh, Emma Watson's done a few things, um, but I can't think of anything that Rupert Grint... I know he's been in something recently, um, but Tom Felton was had a minor role in the Planet of the Apes reboot. But, like, here's the thing. These kids acted their asses off in these Harry Potter films, and I think they're pretty much set for life as far as, as, far as, as monies go. No, I know that, but, like, you know... When you're that young, well, like maybe there's other things you want to do. Well, not only that, I mean, you know, they're all English actors, and things that happen across the pond don't necessarily make their way over here. So they could have done things. I think one of them is involved in music. I'm not I, I sure. think I think it's Draco Malfoy. Tom I, think, I think I think he's a musician and he does some stuff. I mean, I would like to see, you know, uh, the kid that played Neville Longbottom, and I can't remember his name for the life of me right now but i could see marvel like getting in touch with him getting him all jacked and having him be captain britain i mean i could see that happening but you know we'll we'll see we'll see what happens and lastly the hit hulu television show only murders in the building has announced that stars of stage and screen Shirley MacLaine and amy schumer will appear in season 2 which is currently being filmed According to Deadline, Martin Short has already shot scenes with the two actresses. The release date for the new season is yet to be announced. Hmm. I love that show. I that show is fantastic. You haven't watched it. Like even my mother watches it and it's not necessarily like true crime isn't so I mean, it's not true crime. It's I'm almost surprised like a parody your mom of watched true it crime because it's not a Hallmark well, Christmas movie. Well, I mean, true story. Uh, but I think well I think I think it's the fact that it's Martin Short and it's Steve Martin. She loves them. I mean, you know, they've been in a million so things. many different fantastic, hilarious, amazing things. I mean, they're they're icons, beyond icon legends. Oh, we did that whole episode on inner space. You know, so uh no we did, did no we didn't. I thought we did an episode on inner no, space. No, we watched it. I, I liked we, it. I thought we did. No, we I mean we talked about watching it, but we didn't do an episode. Maybe my brain hurts. I thought we did an episode on it. Your eye's twitching a little bit. Are you feeling okay? Are you having a stroke? My eye always twitches. 
I smell toast. <laughs> um, but yeah, so what tastes like blue? Uh, yeah, uh, purple is a fruit. So, like we uh, teased a little bit before the uh, character conquest chronicles of Narnia, um, <laughs> you came up with this idea for our getting into character question um, when we watched the first Karate Kid film. Because I did something. Um, no, I did not perform the crane kick in the living room. Thank God you would have broke something. And I don't mean in the living room. I meant on you. Yeah, well, I know my limits. Like, I only have to do the crane kick when I'm in the... You throw your back out, getting, the... picking up the PlayStation remote off the floor. No, it wasn't off the floor. It was off a table. Oh, God. So that And that's a true story. That's from a few years ago, though. But... Um, no, I would only do the crane kick if I was in the All Valley Under 18 tournament. So we're 22, almost 23 years clear of that. Womp womp. Um, but no, um, we were watching it and uh, they're getting ready to do the tournament scenes. And I left the room and came back with, uh, because I bought the movie, obviously, years ago. And when I bought it at Target, this is before we were even together. Uh, when I bought it, it came with the headband that Daniel wears, and I had it tied, uh, so it still fit perfectly, and it was, uh, she's like, did you have to go rummaging around looking for that? Nope. I knew exactly where that was. Well, it's funny because, you know, we're watching the movie, you know, we have some snacks and stuff like that, and he leaves. I assume that he's just going to the bathroom or something, and he comes back, and he's got this big grin on his face with this bandana headband, you know, clearly holding all of his hair back yes, around I, his I don't, head. Yes, I don't want to get my I hair I just looked at eyes. him, I was like, really? Really? Yeah, she thought I had to look for it. I was like, nope, I knew exactly where it was. I knew exactly what drawer it was in. I knew exactly where it was, and I just went, pulled it out, and put it on and we watched the final tournament scene with it on so yeah and so that kind of got you thinking right so that inspired uh the getting into character question for today which is what film or films from your childhood still bring you joy today? Now, there are several films from my childhood that um, I don't dare rewatch because I feel like I have such a nostalgia for them. I won't have that same nostalgic feeling if I rewatch them. Yeah, I can see it because I tried rewatching uh, Masters of the Universe about 15, 20 years ago. And I was like, wow, this is fucking terrible. This is absolutely terrible. There was one episode where Evil Lynn disguised herself and kept giving, like, this one girl who wanted to, like, be able to keep up with Tila, kept giving her what was essentially, like, cocaine. And the girl kept, like, coming down. She's like, oh, I need more. Like, all right, if you want more, you're going to have to do stuff for me. And, like, you know, the moral of the story was don't do drugs. You know, and He-Man never uses his fucking sword, never takes a sh sword out of his sheath unless it's to block or to say, I have the power. He doesn't use his sword in an offensive uh, way. He'll throw giant boulders at people and try to crush them, but use a sword? No, sorry. So, yeah, I can understand where you're coming from on that one. Like, I don't want to rewatch something from when I was a kid that I loved and have it be, like, terrible. But 
there's a lot of stuff that we have watched um, and we've done episodes on that were near and dear to us as kids. And you guys provided a ton of feedback when it comes to this. So if you want to start, because you have like 900... Yes, yes. So kicking it off is our friend. Can't get it kicking it off because, you know, it's a karate kid episode. It was so funny, guys. Uh, Kicking it off is our friend Justin Cooper. Coop. He said the Goonies, the Monster Squad, both films mentioned numerous times in people's lists. The producers, Zero Mostel and Gene Wilder. Yeah, not the Matthew Broderick and, and um, Nathan Lane. Correct. Like the, the original Mel Brooks, mm-hmm. the producers. The Wizard of Oz, Star Trek Four: The Voyage Home. The best one. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 1 and 2. Secret of the Ooze. And The Addams Family. With Raul Julia and... and uh, um, Angelica Houston. And Christina Ricci mm-hmm. and Christopher Lloyd and Dan Hedaya. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I can dig it. It's a good list. I mean, obviously we've, we've talked Monster Squad on this show multiple times. We've talked with Andre Gower multiple times. So yeah, yeah, um, I'm, I'm good with that list. What else you got? So our friend Toby, uh, Toby Von Doom, uh, let's see, Secret Levels podcast, um, I feel like he's on every podcast. He's done a lot of he's stuff. He's done. He's like, he's like the a, a, a podcasting savant, if you will. Not only that, uh, he also did the uh, the edit on that uh, when we were young picture that's been going around for that stupid concert, mm. and he changed the changed it to when we were young from when we were young to we know you're not 16 anymore and now you have disposable income although when i pointed that out to uh, our friend kales from the crypt she said what's disposable income precious yeah <laughs> so uh, our friend toby says the adams family teenage mutant ninja turtles one and two ghostbusters rockadoodle oh. we're back little nemo and i'm assuming that's the little nemo adventures in slumberland dreamland no, I think it's Slumberland. I'm going to double check. It's Slumberland. Uh, side note, I love that film. I haven't seen it in decades. And I was... Crocagators! Tried to explain it to someone, like to, to people who... And, and the majority of people have you were no right, Slumberland. clue Mickey what I'm talking Rooney. about. Yeah! It's fantastic. The whole thing is fantastic, but I'm trying to explain it to people, and they're looking at me like it was just this one giant fever dream. Apparently, it's being remade. Oh. It was also a Nintendo game. I'm going to have to see if I can find it on DVD or Blu-ray or Digital video disc? Uh, Betamax? To Betamax. But getting back to Toby's list, The Sword and the Stone... Aristocats. He says too many to name. Um, I feel that. I feel that. When trying to uh, get together my list, you know, there's a there's a lot. I, I shortened it a lot, but there's a but there's a lot. Um, our friend Russ from the Unturned Pages podcast, brand new show. Check yes, it out. Yes, yes. Says batteries not included. Mm. Short Circuit, Ghostbusters, the Neverending Story. The Page Master and Jurassic Park. Let me see Toby's listing because there was one on there that I wanted to. Oh, yes, Rockadoodle. Rockadoodle, I saw in the fucking theater. Batteries not included, I still own on VHS. 
I love that movie. I've seen it a thousand times, and it will never get old. Like, it was one of my favorite. That's one I need to revisit, because I haven't seen that in years, despite the fact that I own it on VHS. I mean, that's in the same vein as, um, well, it's it's Don Bluth, correct? Yeah. Don Bluth is... Like, All Dogs Don- Go to Heaven. Secret of Nim. Uh, the great, uh, I know it's Disney, but the Great Mouse Detective. That was his animation I love style. The Great Mouse Detective. Um, secret, let's see. Um, Basil. The Land Before Time. <sighs> like all of that is his stuff. Yeah. Um, do I love the little owl who kept getting everything wrong. I sent him down an adequate pipe. That wasn't an adequate pipe. It was an aqueduct pipe. It leads straight into the city. So our gorgeous and fabulous friend Alyssa said the Halloween tree, which I am sad to say I have never I am seen. I'm unfamiliar with that. Yeah, one. completely unfamiliar. So I'm going to have to rectify that. Uh, the Good Witch Anna Maria says the Rescuers. Saw that in the theater too. Oh, that was so good. The there was the Rescuers and the Rescuers down under. Yes, with the albatross, mate. Uh, I think I have the. The the girl, um, I forget her name. Bianca. Bianca. Yes, I it's have Bob Newhart and Jaja Gabor. Jaja Gabor. Oh, she's so fabulous. Um, I have the ornament the of her Aid somewhere. Society. Uh, so she says the rescuers, the Adams family, Beetlejuice, family. and hmm. Hocus Pocus. Lot of a uh, lot of uh, Adams family coming up. Uh, that wasn't even remotely on my list. You know, and, and I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Uh, our buddy Kurt says Conan. Kurg. Kurg. <laughs> what is best in life, Kurg? Cross your enemies, see them driven before you, and hear the lamentations of their women. If you haven't, do yourself a favor. Pause us. Go to YouTube and look up Conan the Musical. You will get sucked down the John and Al rabbit hole because they did all of these like movies into musicals and the accents are amazing. The Die Hard, Commando, uh, uh, obviously Predator, uh, the uh, the Running Man, uh, Conan. Oh, there's so many. But but yeah, pause us, watch some of those, and come back, and we'll finish the list. Director friend Andrea Wolanin says Pulp Fiction. Ooh, yeah, ninety one. I mean, that's came out or ninety yeah ninety one. Yeah, 91 or 93. I always get that messed up, but that came out. I have a friggin' poster thing hanging up in my room. It's like a framed, like, there's three pictures, uh, and one of them is just, like, the list of the accolades, all the all the Oscars they were nominated for. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I was 10 or 12 when that came out, so I wasn't yet a teenager when that movie came out. Watch it be, like, 94. Our friend, the amazing Colleen, said Flight of Dragons. 94. The Sword in the Stone. Why do you say it like that? Sword? 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 I'm just starting to mispronounce words on purpose. I'm slowly turning into Moira Rose from Schitt's Creek. My accent is just, you're not going to be able to clock it. The Sword in the Stone. The the stone a it's it's it's, it's French. French. Uh, the Disney cartoon version of Robin Hood. 
Oh, yeah. I've got that fucking poster hanging in my room. Secret of Nim. Oh, one of the first movies I ever saw. The Last Unicorn. Yes. I just Classic. saw that a few years ago for the first time. It was good. You enjoyed it. I liked right? it. Yeah. yeah. I didn't hate it. I'm not sitting there like, oh, The Last Unicorn. What a pile of shit. It still holds up. Uh, Gremlins, mm-hmm. Masters of the Universe. Oh, I Su- saw that in the theater. Superman 1, 2, 3, 4. <sighs> Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Based on the uh, acclaimed book, Who Censored Roger Rabbit? Bedknobs and Broomsticks. Oh, yes. That's a movie I haven't thought about in a long Angela time. Lansbury. And I feel like I need to uh, fix that. Flight of the Navigator, Monster Squad, and mm. Ghostbusters. Flight of the Navigator is one of my favorite movies. I just rewatched it uh Earlier this year, actually, I think the evening of uh, just past midnight on uh, January 1st, I was trying to watch The Black Hole. So just as for anybody, if you're trying to watch The Black Hole on Disney+, Plus, it has about two and a half minutes of just black screen with music over it. I thought something wrong was wrong with the movie. It turns out if you just fast forward about two and a half to two and two, I think it's 238 exactly, fast forward through that. And the picture comes up, and you can actually watch the movie. But I had been trying to watch it for months, not realizing that. And finally, I was just like, is this just like this throughout the entire thing? Like, do I have to email fucking Walt Disney and his cryo chamber and, like, find out what's going on? But turns out, if you just fast forward about 2.38, it comes up. Go ahead. So our friend... Jimmy Lambs from a came we have from a lot of friends. 508 said Hannibal Hall Cannibal Holocaust. I think I misunderstood the assignment. Hannibal <laughs> um, Holocaust. And then he said, okay, Monster Squad, The Goonies, Star Wars, and Jaws. Yep. Yep. Those are all solid picks. Agent Nicole weighed in Ooh. on the question and answered, and she says. The Adams Family, Beetlejuice, Spaceballs, Matilda, Fern Gully, The Last Rainforest. Yes, Fern Gully. Robin Williams. Uh, Tim Curry mm-hmm. as the smog monster. Oh, Smogster. The, the acid rain song. Oh, it was awesome. Uh, the Princess Bride, Cinderella, and Harriet the Spy. Hmm. I'm going to read a couple. Because you've done a bunch. I know you have weight. You like you're like five to one on me. Uh, our buddy Torin Davison, uh, who I've known for close to twenty years, uh, he says the Goonies, solid pick. Again, a lot of people uh, have picked that. Uh, very talented makeup artist Shelby. Uh, she hopped in and said Thumbelina. This is definitely my comfort movie. Uh, Rachel, whom. Uh, she she participates in like all of our stuff and I love it. Um she posted a gif of uh Hook, which I really like, which we found out uh in an interview, our very first interview we ever did, that the voice of Peter Pan's mother at the very beginning of the film is none other than Samantha Newark, who played Jem. Mm-hmm. Uh very cool. Um Alexander Another talented filmmaker, uh, he posted a GIF, and I'm in. It's a stop motion uh, Gorgon, so Medusa. So I'm going to say this is probably uh, Jason and the Argonauts. I might be wrong, but 
but that's what I think it is. Uh, Jessica Jean says the rescuers in Secret of Nim, so she's definitely got a specific uh, like mouse movies. That's that's what she's going for. Um, uh, Mr. Isaac says WLVI Channel 56 creature double feature. This guy with a gif of Godzilla. Fuck yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of people didn't realize this when we were kids, and I used to point it out to people all the time that LVI is 56. So it's super funny that WLVI is Channel 56. Uh, our buddy uh, Jonathan Dosty, who just had a birthday, um, he says Clue and the Princess Bride. So that's the first time anyone's mentioned Clue. And we just had someone two minutes ago, Benjamin Langford, jumped in and said Milo and Otis. Watched it with my great niece <gasps> about a year ago, and I liked it when I was a kid. I love pugs so much. That was actually the oh entire God. list that I have. Pugs. Pugs. Um, so back to my list. Uh, writer and friend Austin German said Aliens, Tim Burton's first Batman, Nightmare on Elm Street, Dream Warriors, Jurassic Park, Toy Story, so many. Yeah, it, it's kind of difficult putting a list together. Um, Monster Zero said Pirate Movie, Super Fuzz, Heart Beeps, Saturday the 14th, Godzilla, and Rodan. Oh, Austin German also commented Mars Attacks. So good. You know, I've seen Mars Attacks mentioned a lot lately. Like, um, there's a there's a drag queen who dresses up like the aliens in drag. Uh and, and other people have just mentioned it recently. And I haven't seen it in years, but it makes me want to watch it. I feel like we should do an episode. Well, like we a can rewatch it. Fun, episode. Like, we should just watch it anyways. But. Fun well, we own it on, on Voodoo. Uh, but fun fact, Jim Brown, who plays uh, the Egyptian dude, uh, the guy who's all dressed up in, like, the Egyptian stuff that's punching the shit out of people, mm -hmm. uh, I actually have a signed helmet of his. And those are very, very rare because he is getting up there in age and is not doing well. Um, he also says the Lord of the Rings and Pirates of the Caribbean. He must be much younger because I was in my 20s when those came out. Trisha Smith said Beetlejuice and the Princess Bride. Solid choices. Uh, Leanne, also known as Ursula, Ursula from Grimsworth. the upcoming... The Other Side of Midnight, which will hopefully, fingers crossed, be dropping this year. Uh, she said the first ones that come to mind are Goonies, Stand By Me, The Exorcist, and quotes, just kidding, that one brought me nightmares, uh, The Lost Boys, and Karate Kid. Good list. Our friend Meg said All Dogs Go to Heaven. Oh, solid. Uh, the Lion King, Jurassic Park, Star Wars, Die Hard, and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um Phil from Dark Discussions and of the Dorkening Networks and Raiders of the Lost Ark, Star Wars, A New Hope, The Outlaw, Josie Wales, and Ghostbusters. Super talented artist and our friend Crystal Carnage said The Halloween Tree, The Worst Witch, yes, and Hocus Pocus. My friend KJ said The Wizard of Oz and Stand By Me. Super talented filmmaker and writer and director and producer and all around fantastic human being, George James Frazier, who is currently doing a um, Indiegogo for his upcoming project. We will post, night. yeah, we'll post links up for that in uh, in the 
in the group show and description. Stuff. But he said, I put on the Labyrinth soundtrack at least once a year. That's a really good soundtrack and a fantastic film. Kaylee from Kales from the Crypt said, Little Nemo Adventures in Slumberland. Yes, I'm so proud, like happy that people know what that movie is and I'm not, you know, just making things up. The Halloween Tree, another Halloween. We're going to have to watch The Halloween Tree. Uh, and Halloween Town, yes. Uh, Alex DiVincenzo, friend of the show, filmmaker, amazing person, said Ninja Turtles and Star Wars. Our friend Eric Valentino said Adventures in Babysitting. Great, yes. great pick. Friend you of the show. Fuck with the babysitter. Steve said Friday the 13th Part 3. Melissa Potter of E-Scoop and a slew of other podcasts. She's like the queen of podcasts. Said Little Monsters, Howard the Duck, The Labyrinth, The Dark Crystal, Beetlejuice, The NeverEnding Story, and Return to Oz. Chris Esper of The Other Side of Midnight, he has his hands in so many different filmmaking projects. It's ridiculous. He's always doing something, and we love to see it. Uh, said Mrs. Doubtfire, Aladdin, Return to Oz, Inner Space, Ghostbusters, The Great Muppet Caper, The Muppets Take Manhattan. That's the uh, second Return to Oz we've had. And he also says Matilda. We've got a bunch of those. Uh E Rigor. He goes by Rigor. Rigor. Yes. Of... From the award winning The East Meets the West podcast. Um and then is now. Uh said Benji. Ooh, Benji. Benji the Hunted. My brother used to watch that all the time. My friend Brandy said The Dark Crystal, Labyrinth and Goonies. Lots of those. Uh director, writer, filmmaker. Your best friend this upcoming summer, Spencer Gray, said oh, yeah. Rocky. Yep. Uh, again, another talented filmmaker. We know a lot friend. of talented yeah, filmmakers. And we know a lot <laughs> of talented people. And, uh, Joe Lemieux said The Dark Crystal, Secret of Nim, Dragon Slayer, Private Lessons, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Oh, that was good. And Summer School. Okay. Yeah, I get it. And let's move over to the tweeters for a moment here because we got a couple of uh, answers on them. So uh, Logan Austin from Inside the Crazy Ant Farm podcast said the original two Home Alone films, uh, super solid films. Still watch them Christmas time. Yeah, they're they're really fantastic. Um, and uh, Dustin also from the. Uh, the crazy inside the crazy ant farm podcast said superman the movie and superman 2 and our friend christine part of chris steve steve being parasite steve from retro red octopus said the goonies yeah i mean we got a lot of goonies so now the next question is what are our lists? What are, so what is your list? <laughs> uh, so, I mean, this is going to come as no surprise. Mary Poppins. Still watch it. Uh, still love it. Probably watch it a couple of times a year. It's my feel-good movie. I like it. Uh, Wizard of Oz is definitely on my list. Zardoz. I haven't seen it in a while, but uh, definitely, you know, it's it's one of those, if I, if if I ever see it on, like I, I have to we'll watch, watch it. it yeah. um, you know, some of mine have already been mentioned, so I'm gonna go, going to a mention a couple have. that haven't been mentioned. 
Ever After a Cinderella Story. Oh, with uh, Dugray. And Drew Barrymore. I saw and, that in the theater. And uh, Melanie, um, oh God, Melanie Melansky. Yeah, she's from. Uh, uh, she was just Don't in a Don't Look Up. Uh, super underrated actor. She's fantastic. Oh, yeah, she's excellent. Um, another one on my list is. Um, oh my God, why am I drawing a blank right now? Um, Care Bears oh movie? God, no, it's not the Care Bears movie. I mean, obviously, Beetlejuice is on my list, too. Um, oh my God. Do you want God. me to go while you're waiting, trying to figure it out? Uh, yeah, so I'll go while you're trying to Practical magic. Oh. Practical magic. I'm like, I know it begins with a P. It's Mid- not pitch Midnight perfect. Midnight margarita magic. Midnight margaritas. Yeah, I love practical magic. I can still watch it. Uh, I think That's I like it more Kidman now. Kidman and Bullock. Yes. Yeah, they play sisters. And uh, I think I like it more now um, than I did when I was a kid. And I really loved that movie when I was a kid. Also, some of the things that I watched, um, you know, I watched with my parents, so like I loved Star Wars and Spaceballs and whatnot. I, you know, I watched that with my dad, and then I used to love like Fried Green Tomatoes and Steel Magnolias. I watched with my mom. You know, Dirty Dancing. I used to watch all of that with my mom. Granted, I was a little young for some of the subject matter at the time, so a lot went over my head. Well, especially in like but, a Mel Brooks movie. But you know, as a as an adult, as I got older, I you know was in on the joke a little Able bit more. Able to appreciate so, it more. Yeah. yeah. So I have quite a few. Uh, so I'm going to start with my honorable mentions. Uh, the Wizard with uh, Fred Savage, when uh, which was basically uh, just a big marketing campaign for Super Mario 3. Young Frankenstein, another one that I watched with my dad a thousand times, uh, one of my introductions to horror. Uh, Drop Dead Fred that nobody mentioned. Uh, I used to watch that movie all the goddamn time. Uh, Return to Oz is one. Uh, Godzilla 1985, very specific. Jaws 1, 2, and 4, we watch those all the time. The Secret of Nim, one of the first films I ever watched. Uh, your favorite movie of all time, The Extraterrestrial. Uh, that one I loved. I have not seen it in years. Uh, because it's not allowed in this house. Baby Secret of the Lost Legend. I don't know if anyone's ever heard of that, but it's about these people that go into... Uh, the heart of Africa. Basically, it's based on the uh, cryptid Mokele Umbembe, uh, and they find uh, apatosauruses that are... Uh, there's a mother, a father, and a baby, and they kill one of them. Uh, and it was the first time I ever yelled at someone and called him a bastard, and I only did it because my mom always called people like that a bastard. I was like, yeah, get that bastard. I was six. Um, obviously, The Making of Thriller and The Monster Squad, I've talked about those a thousand times. Flight of the Navigator, I know that was already mentioned, but I fucking love that movie. Uh, the Black Hole from 1978, which that's one that I would love to see remade because I think it would be fucking incredible and not just like a Star Wars ripoff. Um, and that's what I got. That's my that's my list. Uh, I mean, obviously you could throw in some more, you know, um, you know, Robin Hood. You know, I was trying to come up with some of the stuff that hadn't been mentioned. You know, Robin Hood we watched all the time. Um, you know, Beetlejuice, Spaceballs. You know, those are a bunch that, 
you know, Goonies, Monster Squad. I know I mentioned Monster Squad, but I had to. Uh, but yeah, uh, do you have anything else you wanted to add? I, you know, uh, the classic Disney films. I still can't get enough of them. I love Disney. I know Disney is a corrupt, horrible thing, but I love it. I can't get enough of it. Yep. So, all right. Uh, I think that's a pretty good spot to uh, take a quick break. We're almost 45 minutes into the show, and we Hooray! haven't started our, our actual topic of conversation. So let's uh, – and not that that's a bad thing. We love when you guys contribute stuff because it helps us – uh, gives us some different jumping off points where we can talk about things. It's like, oh man, I totally forgot about that movie. Or I've never heard of the Halloween tree. And like so many of you have mentioned it. Um, so thank you for participating once again. And we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to be discussing. We're going to kick it into high gear. We're going to crane kick it into high gear. We're going to lift it up with a crane. I don't know. We'll We'll be right back. <laughs> Deadly Grounds Coffee knows how important your coffee is to you. Every batch is roasted to perfection with a unique special method that brings out the richest, deepest, smoothest flavor you'll ever find. We're coffee freaks too, and deadly serious about our brew. Just one sip and you'll know why we say, once you go deadly, you don't go back. It's truly coffee to die for. So when you're ready to get a little deadly, Get online and order yours at getdeadly.com. It's coffee so good, ah! it's scary. Greetings, Spice fans. Silk City Hot Sauce is now sponsoring the Dorkening Podcast Network. Our craft sauces are made in Vermont in small, high-quality batches using locally sourced, farm-grown ingredients. Silk City Hot Sauce comes in a variety of heat strengths and killer flavors like Jezebel, Erotic Fever, Mango Madness, and Good Morning Jonestown. And don't forget our newest creation, Hot Syrup. Make no mistake, Spice fans, this is the queen of sweet heat. There's new and unique flavors coming out all the time. Best of all, right now, listeners of the Dorkening Podcast Network can go to SilkCityHotSauce.com and use coupon code DORK. Not only will you get 20% off your order, we'll also throw in a free bottle of hot sauce. That's SilkCityHotSauce.com. Coupon code DORK. Where is that? Remember, your defense. Points to come. Concentrate, focus, power. Remember, balance. Make good fight. Warning for running out of the ring once more possible point. And guard! Ready? Guard! Eight! Come on! All right, Daniel, that's one! Come on! One more! Come back on your line. That's one point, round kick. Eight!
All right, we are back, and we are ready to talk some Daniel LaRusso. Now, that what you just heard, obviously, was a clip from 1984's The Karate Kid with the theme song and the ever-so-subtle segue of of uh, Elizabeth Shue going, You're the best! And, of course, you know, then they kick in with, You're the best around! Everything ever down to bring you down! Like, yeah, um... You're welcome. Super subtle on that one. Um, it's it's as subtle as like a Disney song, like where they're like, oh, you know, or uh, Life of Brian, you know, look on the bright side of life, you know. Um, so I saw this movie back when I was a kid. You know, this was one of my comfort films as well. Uh, we used to watch it all the time, which is why I was so pumped when Cobra Kai came out. Um. This is the show or the movie that I was like, oh, I'm going to do karate. And like, you know, I had like karate pajamas and shit like that when I was a kid. Because uh, this came out, I was three. I didn't watch it, obviously, for a couple of years. It was very, uh, you know, kid friendly, kid appropriate. I know it was like PG or PG-13. Um, I don't think there was a PG-13. I think that was still PG because if I remember correctly, uh, Spaceballs is rated PG. I was going to say, I think PG-13 is something that happened in the 90s, yeah. I believe. So this was PG-13. When they, when they revamped, and then they revamped it again because then we have like the NC-17. That and... came out in uh, when Showgirls came 2000s? out. No, no 90, late 90s. Mid-90s, 94, 95 when Showgirls came out. Ah, uh, Showgirls. Yeah, Elizabeth Berkley and you Kyle MacLachlan. Know me. Uh, Gina Gershon. Um, yeah, it's... Do the Nomi Malone hands? <sighs> but yeah, the uh, the whole thing was... Uh, it was very appropriate for a kid, and you know it taught some good lessons. And I didn't appreciate Mr. Miyagi's uh, sarcasm you know, for several years, but I really liked the fight scenes, and the whole movie kept my, my interest. But, you know, as I got older, you know, watched it over and over again, I still feel it holds up. You know, it's very... Uh, it's timeless. Like, the the stuff that happens, you know, it's very typical of, you know, high school now, except, you know, generally you don't have 23-year-olds in high school, um, like Daniel LaRusso. Because Ralph Macchio was 23. Well, he was, he was 22. 22 when they filmed when it, they 23 filmed it. when it came out. Um... And apparently, like, everyone on set, nobody believed he was 22. Like, they thought he was lying about his age. But, like, why would he lie? <laughs> like, why would he lie? Yeah, I'm 22. But you're playing, like, a 16, 17-year-old. Like, but, like, yeah, it's, but it's one of those instances where, you know, you could you could have told me he was 14, and I would have been like, yep, absolutely, he's 14. I mean, he was pushing 30 in Karate Kid 3, and he looked like maybe he was, like, at that point, he looked like he was 18. Yeah, because even in Karate Kid Two, when he, I, I think the difference between movies back then and movies now is if, like, if you look at Cobra Kai, every kid if they take their shirt off is fucking ripped. Daniel Larusso was not a super jacked kid. He is what we would call a twink. Yeah, he's yes. very thin. Uh. He's just like he does didn't really have any muscular definition, and although I will say that was part of who the character was supposed to be, 
you know, because he kept, you know, Miyagi would always tell him, oh, he's too big, he's too strong. And he's like, it doesn't matter who's bigger or stronger, you know. Now, you just watched these. I know we say this quite a lot on this show, but you just watched all of these films for the first time. Uh-huh. And I know we talked about this a bit on the Miyagi episode last week, but what did you think of Daniel LaRusso uh, coming up through the first three Karate Kid films and then transitioning into who he becomes in Cobra Kai? So... In the first three films, Daniel LaRusso was a very annoying teenager, and he evolved uh, in the Cobra Kai series to become a very annoying adult. Yes. And that's my, that's my opinion. Um, not that I don't like the character. That That's nothing. He's just uh, he, definitely not my favorite character in the films. Mr. Miyagi was that, uh, you know hilarious loved loved everything that pat maria did with that and obviously we talked about that last week um you know i found it difficult to root for him at times uh he was a little whiny and like i said really annoying and i mean i guess if i was a young boy because obviously that's who these movies were aimed for like that was their their the the audience that they wanted to get you know young teenage boys kids um, my age i would you know between five to 20 i would say um so i definitely you know am not their target demographic at the especially at this point uh you know i just um i was more interested in the stuff going on around daniel larusso i was more interested in cobra kai what's johnny lawrence's deal and uh you know, spoiler alert, we're going to talk about him next week. Because uh, you really can't talk about Danny, uh, Daniel LaRusso without talking about Johnny Lawrence. Um, especially when it comes to the Cobra Kai series. Uh, but I was more interested in the characters that were put around Daniel LaRusso than the character of Daniel LaRusso himself. And then jumping to the Cobra Kai series, again... Um, He's a little more palatable <laughs> for me in the in the series, but he kind of has this um, entitled elitist vibe to him. I mean, yes, he worked hard. Yes, he he worked his way up, but uh, it's one of those sometimes you can forget where you came from, even though you think you remember where you came from. And he goes around with this air about him where he thinks he's better than everybody else. Especially, he's he's especially better than Johnny Lawrence, even though uh, they're really similar. They're almost the same person when it comes down to, like, the core of it. They just have different ways of dealing with certain things. Um, and that's why they can't get along is because they're too much alike. Uh, but, yeah, it just... Um, I think it's a, you know, it, it's definitely, he's an interesting enough character to warrant talking about him for an episode because he does have an interesting backstory. Uh, his time with Mr. Miyagi, uh, what we see in the films, and then what's kind of um, almost like a fill in the blank type thing between the films and the Cobra Kai series because obviously Pat Morita passed in like what, 2005, 2006? Uh, 2005 yeah oh yeah. 2011 in the show right in the show but you know um 
you know, uh, so they do a pretty good job of kind of filling you in on the rest of Mr. Miyagi's life and his relationship with, you know, adult Daniel LaRusso and, you know, his his wife, Amanda, who is fucking fantastic. I love his wife. Uh, she's a pistol and she's fabulous um you know and and samantha his daughter and not so much his son anthony just because uh, mr miyagi passed before anthony had a real opportunity to to form a relationship with her but it's kind of with him i should say but it's kind of cool the way that they you know tell you the story without hitting you over the head with it yeah you know, they kind of give you a little bit of Miyagi's backstory, you know, the the the, the filler story, um, not filler story, but fill you in on the story uh, throughout some of the, um, well, throughout the four seasons of Cobra Kai. You learn a little something more about Miyagi every episode and the character arc of Daniel LaRusso. Um, I like him more at the end of season four than I did going into the series. Yeah, that's fair because he was he was still kind of like I, I think his whole thing, his journey, like it's it's a rags to riches story. Like he was living in this shitty apartment in the shitty part of Reseda, uh, California, where and he's trying to get this this girl who lives you know uptown and you know he you know, never, he doesn't have any money and like all the kids that he goes to school with have money and everybody looks down on him. And yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's not surprising that he is the way he is because, you know, he knows where he came from and it's almost like he kind of wants to flaunt it a little bit, even though he's not, he may not be trying to do it because, that's not what Mr. Miyagi would want and that's not what he was taught and that's not how things worked. He he does it unintentionally, especially around Johnny uh, when they first reconnect at the beginning of the series. It's almost like he just feels the need to needle him a little bit and remind him that, hey, I'm better than you. I beat you. Yeah, but this is also another guy who for most... Uh, most of his, most of his life has been the one getting kicked around and beat up on. It's almost like, Hey, look what I've done. You know, you know, he's got, you know, the, the, the good looking wife who's way younger than him in real life. Um, although they don't really look at on the show, like he doesn't look like he's almost two decades older than her. Because, like we said, he looks very young. Um, he uh, he has this combination of like like a down home, rustic, like I know where my roots are, but also like I'm kind of gonna show off what I have to prove that I belong among these rich people, even though they've always, you know, I'm going to join this country club, even though these people have always been members. Like I remember these kids were at the country club, you know, when I was a kid, like the, my high school friends or high school classmates, because he really didn't have any friends. 
aside from Mr. Miyagi, like his high school classmates were also, um, you know, their parents were members, so they became members, like they're legacy members, whereas he's first generation. He kind of wants that for his kids, and he spoils them sometimes too much, as we see with Anthony, because Anthony's a big old sack of shit. Well, I mean, you know, it's a, it's a story that we hear often. You know, parents want to give their kids a better life than what they had. And, you know, and, and obviously sometimes, you know, throughout generations, you, you see, you know, it, it creates a generational uh, divide. You know, it's like, Bill, these kids are like this. And it's like, yeah, well, we're like this because you raised us to be like this. You know, it's, it's kind of like a double-edged sword. But um, getting into... Daniel LaRusso's backstory and where he came from. So he was born on December 18th, 1966 in Newark, New Jersey, uh, into an Italian-American family. When he was eight years old, his father, David LaRusso, died after a two-year battle with stomach cancer. Daniel's mother, Lucille, never remarried. In September 1984, Daniel and Lucille moved to Reseda, California, after Lucille accepted a job offer at a computer firm. So she was in the process of, uh, you know, so, so they're moving literally across country. They have this car that doesn't work. They have to the get out. The fake wood-paneled station wagon. They have to get out and, and, and push it when it stalls so to get it going again. Yes. Uh, you know, so they really don't have much and that's a you know not to say typical story of a of a single parent but it's, it's a story that we hear quite often you know a, a single parent doing whatever they can to make ends meet and you know that was daniel's mother she wasn't around a lot which is how the friendship between or I should say the mentorship between daniel and mr miyagi started um you know, and it's not that she was a neglectful parent. She was just doing what she had to do in order to make ends meet to to provide for her son, for herself and her son. Right. And everything she was doing was to help uh, to help him. Like, you know, she dated one of his teachers and he got all A's in those classes. If you remember the story from Cobra Kai, um, she was taking these shitty jobs um, you know, there's a, I forget if it's a deleted scene or if it's a, um, like something that was just supposed to be part of the script, but it was never filmed where she explains that, um, the job she got at the restaurant was, was because somebody walked out and quit. And so she was the only applicant for the day. So she walked in and she's like, I can start right now. And they hired her on the spot. You know, some, something along those lines. Um, because she wanted to take advantage of whatever uh, opportunities were around. And it's like, instead of going on interview after interview after interview, she may not have wanted to be a waitress or a ho uh, was it a, not a hostess. Um, yeah, a hostess. Like who, the, the, the person who seats everybody. Yeah, seating hostess. Yeah. Um, that may not what be what she wanted, but... But it was there. And it's funny because she talked about, she goes, oh, I never would have been able to do that with computers. And it's like, yeah, computers are definitely not the future in California in 1984. 
but she took advantage of an opportunity that was presented in front of her. No, no I'm just it saying, was, like, right? No, what we know I, now, I, I, like that right, line is right, but, that didn't age well. Right, but I mean, but again, you know, she was doing everything that she possibly could. Now, in the meantime, Daniel being new at school, obviously, you know, put him front and center to be bullied by some of the kids, and the kids that he come across are the Cobra Kai's. Right, like, they're not the first people he encounters, because he encounters, you know, some, uh, the, the kid that lives in his uh, apartment complex with him. But after his embarrassment at the hands of the Cobra Kai's, who again, were some of the last people that he met, but definitely the most, pardon the pun, impactful relationship, um, they definitely were the ones that, you know, kind of ran the school, so to speak. You know, this was... uh, this was, uh, you know, not the introduction he wanted. Like, it seemed like things were going his way. You, like, randomly meet somebody, and then the next day, he's, you know, then that day he's invited, like, he's not even moved in yet, and he's invited to a beach party, and, you know, which maybe you would have uh, had in, in Jersey, but probably, probably not, not as nice. No, no. Well, you know what? He meets this girl. Her name is Allie. Allie with an eye. With an eye, yes. Uh, and she's cute, and obviously there's a there's an immediate attraction to her, and he's like, oh, new school, cute girl, okay. Uh, he doesn't know that she is Johnny Lawrence of Cobra Kai is Johnny Lawrence's ex-girlfriend. Well, he doesn't know and, who the hell Johnny Lawrence well, is. Well, I mean, why, you know, why, why would he? Um, so it's at this beach party that everything kind of goes down. Um, a boom box gets broken. That's something that comes back in Cobra Kai. Remember boom boxes, kids, uh, before streaming devices. Um, and that's really where this rivalry begins. And it extends through the first film, obviously into the second film, into this series, uh, all four seasons of the series so far. And uh, I do want to point out that I did appreciate his Halloween costume. Oh, the uh, shower? The shower. He wasn't going to go to the Halloween party because he didn't have a costume. Because he didn't have a costume and he also didn't want to see be seen by the Cobra Kai guys because they had already beaten him up at that point. And, um, they had roughed him up a little bit, but it's after that that he really gets the shit kicked out of him because they're all dressed as skeletons. Yes, yes, and they chase him down. Uh, after he went to, well, well, I mean, he kind of egged it on a little bit. And but if you if you're watching this movie for like the nine hundredth time, like I am, so if you're rewatching it, while he's having this conversation with Miyagi, all of the stuff that uh, to make his shower make costume his chef, is around is right behind in the him. maintenance shed. Yes. Yeah, like the hula hoop and the garden hose and like and the shower the, curtain, the shower curtain, yes. and the faucet head. Yeah, it's. It's brilliant. Like, that's another aspect of Mr. Miyagi we didn't talk about is his uh, ingenuity, creativity. Yes. Um, But yeah, he, uh, because he, you know, everything he did, like, he turns chores into karate lessons by teaching muscle memory. Um, But Daniel's whole uh, thing, he was 
after he got beat up on the first time, like he had taken some karate classes at the Y back in back in Jersey and you know, not really serious stuff. Um he was trying to learn from a book and this shows you how eighties it is. He's working out in jeans, um, and a tank top tucked well into his jeans. Oh yeah, that's so comfortable. Oh yeah. Like why didn't he have a belt on? Like that would have just uh, made that would have been way too comfortable. What belt do you have? Canvas, JC Penny, three ninety eight. Um But yeah, it's it's uh this weird journey for him where he's constantly the underdog. But what I like is some of the some of the stuff that comes up uh that's used as a plot device in the other films, like in Karate Kid 3 when he defends his title. Because Karate Kid 1 through 3 takes place in the span of about 15 months, if you can believe that. Right, because, well, the the all under-18 All-Valley Tournament is roughly, what, the end of the school year? December. Oh, that's December? If I remember correctly, it was in December. Because, well, the first movie ends with the All-Valley Tournament, and the second movie... Uh, the third movie ends with the All-Valley Tournament because he's defending his title a year later. So all the stuff that happened in Okinawa with... Oh, yeah, that was the summer, right? Yes, that, that, that was, was the, That was the summer because he... That, so, yeah, it might have been, was... been in June. Now I have... now Because the second one picks up right after the first. Yes. And then he takes his college money yep to buy a ticket to go to okinawa with mr miyagi uh to accompany him to okinawa uh upon the death of his father correct well his father was dying his, yeah okay. his father was dying yes the uh, it says december 20th 1975 that's when the seventh annual but it doesn't say when the other one happened because i'm trying to look and it doesn't give me an exact date because i remember the the poster for some reason i was thinking december 19th all valley karate tournament so one was december 19th and the other one was may 19th so it wasn't a year it was six months like i think that's weird oh because the cobra kai one was I know it's it's weird. See, yeah, I thought December was was correct. Another day, another poster shows the fifth and sixth. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of weird that the dates are all over the place because the dates don't line up with the timelines. Okay, so I mean, regardless of that, so, either way, you it know, takes place in about a year and a half. Right. So, you know, the end of the first film, beginning of the second film happens in the same time frame. Um, and then in the second film, he goes to, like I said, he accompanies Mr. Miyagi to Okinawa, uh, uses his college fund money um, to get a plane ticket to go with him because his father's dying and he learns some more stuff about Miyagi Karate over there. And that's where he fights Chosen uh, over this girl, Yuki. And that's another thing that bothered me, too. Like, he was very... I mean, and, and I, I guess, like, that's typical of a teenage Kumiko. boy. Kumiko? 
Yukie was oh, Miyagi's right. girlfriend. Right. He would have to fight Miyagi for 60-year-old Ku- Ku- Yukie. Kumiko was uh, Tam- Tamlin Tamita. That was her character. Oh, there was a lot of people. Yes. There's a lot of people. Well, they have similar sounding names. So, anyway. There was a lot of people in that second film that they introduced. It's not that they were um, fighting over her, it's that he uh he u- chosen used violence against her because he knew that was uh, a person that Daniel was attached to and chosen kept um insisting that Daniel was insulting his honor despite the fact that he was doing dishonorable things. But one of the things, like I was saying, that kind of irritated me about this character, but like I said, again, being a teenage boy, I've never been a teenage boy, so I don't know if this is, you know, a a driving factor. I was a teenage boy for several years. (laughs) No, not. Oh, good. So you have firsthand experience. I do. Um, The the, the fact that most of his motives were um, hormonally driven, if you will. Yeah. I mean, you know, in the first film it was Ali, in the second film it was Kum- Kumiko. Kumiko. In the third film it was Blake Lively. Robin, Robin Lively? Uh, it wasn't Blake. Robin Lively? No, Blake, it's Blake Lively's half sister. I think it's Robin Lively. Which half? The right half. Oh, okay. I believe her name Obviously was not Jessica. The Party Kid Part 3. Let's look this up real quick. Jessica. Yep, Jessica Andrews. But, like, in that one, they were only friends because she had a boyfriend, and they went mountain climbing and stuff together. Um, or something like that. But, but yeah, it, so it was kind of annoying that, like, in order to motivate him... It was an like, 80s movie. Like, you like, can't like have you an 80s sports movie. had to have, like, some sort of, like, love interest. Name an 80s sports movie that didn't have a love interest at the heart of it. Rocky also, almost didn't fight because Adrian went into a coma. say it again. I was really expecting more karate to happen in these films. I was expecting more action. And uh, especially in the second one, there was just a lot of story. I will say this. A lot of story. uh, Counterpoint. They spent a lot of time on character development than you would find in a lot of 80s action films. Most 80s action films, you learn the guy's name. Like, take Commando. I am Chad. You are Kyle. Let's fight. Take Commando. You know he lives by himself. He's a retired army guy. Bad guys steal his daughter. He's gonna take. He's gonna get his daughter back. That's the extent of the character development we get for Arnold in Commando. That's it. I want my daughter back. It could have been anything. It could have been his morning newspaper that they took. But he was gonna go all out and get what they took from him. Because in those movies, women, whether they were the daughter or the the wife or the girlfriend or the mother they were basically treated as property unless you were Cynthia Rothrock everybody else was you know just property like it could have been like you stole my car and he would have gone after them the exact same way at least with uh with you know the the romantic relationships that Daniel had they sort of drove the plot forward like they were more than a plot device um 
Although, again, because it's an 80s movie, most of these situations could have been handled with a simple conversation and would have... Right, the, the, the movie would have been six of, minutes commu- long. Well, I mean, the same thing with the series. It's like, wow, if they just spoke with each other, had a discussion, communicated a little bit, like there wouldn't be all of this misunderstandings. But obviously, it's driving the plot. But that was really obnoxious and annoying as well. Yes. Just talk to each other. Um, but we do see, you know, speaking of, you know, the the, the films, he. Is what the two time under eighteen all valley at the end of the third at the end of the third film. Johnny Uh, Lawrence is also two time under eighteen because he won the previous two years. If he had beaten Daniel, he would have been three time. So. Uh, and then obviously he turned 18, so he wasn't able to, to compete anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously karate is something that stuck with him, kind of helped um, helped mold him and shape him into the person that he is today. And Mr. Miyagi, as his mentor, became more than just a mentor. He became a father figure to him and like a grandfather figure to to his kids. Um you know, to to the point where I believe they mentioned that they called him Grandpa, or uh, some he, kind of. It's revealed in season three that he felt uh, like he was their grandfather. Yes, yes. In that letter that was sent to Yukie. Yes. Not Kumiko. Not Kumiko. Though Kumiko did read the letter because it was in Japanese and. See, that's one of the one of the biggest plot holes to me. I would have assumed that Daniel would be fluent in Japanese, both the written language and spoken language, especially after traveling to Okinawa and like that whole speech he had about like this is a specific knife, he calls this or this depending on the region that you only use for cutting sashimi. Like you know that, but you don't speak or read the language. Come on. Oh, uh, I mean, it's... He spent 65 years with Mr. Miyagi. 65 years. <laughs> and um, he didn't learn Japanese. But it's interesting to see the influence that one character, only one character, one person had on this other character. Yeah, he, you know, again, in we we see this as he opens up a little bit to Johnny and... Cobra Kai how he never really had a father figure and his father figure became Miyagi like Miyagi took on that role because he lost his father at a young age whereas Johnny never really had a father figure either because his father left when he was young and then his mother married as Asner and the only other positive role model in his life was John Kreese and he started going to him when he was like <laughs> I was eight. Say, and we'll talk about that next week. That's a whole toxic relationship. But yeah, next week, kids. Um, but yeah, and so it's interesting to see like the imprint that someone can leave on another's life without um, without really realizing the impact. You know. At this point, Miyagi has been gone. The, the, the character of Mr. Miyagi has been gone for, for 10 years. And he's still influencing Daniel in many ways. Yes. You know, just look at the car dealership. So 
I don't know if it's mentioned that he went to college or or he when what? he was teaching Miguel to fix the car. He specifically says that he never went to college. Okay, right. Because he spent all his money on Okinawa and, and a bonsai, bonsai store. <laughs> Mister, I got a really smart name for this store where you sell little trees, Mr. Miyagi. Ready? Mr. Miyagi's Little Trees. But he started working at uh, car dealerships. And using Miyagi training to be a salesman. Be honest. And I'll tell you right now. His story is horseshit because I've worked in sales and being honest and upfront and telling people what the truth is doesn't hold a candle to lying your ass off to make any sale you want. Well, it, this is a television show. It is fiction. It's very Maybe fiction. Maybe in this fictional world, the truth goes a long way, not necessarily in real life. Um, but he's he's had to work his way up, you know. So not only did he, you know, work his way up from being this scrawny, awkward teenager to an established, not so awkward, kind of awkward, yeah, still awkward, adult. Um, but he's worked his way up, you know, uh, and established himself financially as well. So, you know, he worked his way through, you know, was, a, I think, like a, a, a mechanic or something and then worked his way onto the sales floor. Well, he started off in sales. And then, you know, slowly worked his way up. And then uh, when Amanda, his wife, was pregnant with Samantha, their first child, that is when they purchase they, they they opened up their own luxury car dealership i would also hazard a guess and say that he was helped along immensely a no student debt b mr miyagi had a shit ton of money put aside like that dude was not rich not like encino hills rich like but johnny smart. lawrence but, like, he didn't want for anything. He didn't seek out anything. Like, he had the same four cars for well, his and, whole and life. And that's the thing, too. When Miyagi passed, he left everything to Daniel. Yeah, so, so that Daniel property. So Daniel the house. Um, yeah, the property, the, the, the vintage cars that he collected. Fun story. Yeah. Uh, What's his name? Ralph Macchio still has that yellow car. It's what, like a 1954 I think it's something, earlier than that. Maybe. Um, but he well, still because has it, that I mean, car. Well, obviously, it's the car that appears in the series. Right, but they could have gotten like a replica or a, you know, a different one or mocked something up. Like, he still has that exact car that was because it was given to him after uh, the first film, uh, and he kept it. He still has it to this day, which is, you know pretty awesome that they were able to do that because i don't think the other three cars because the truck that's in the driveway they sold that truck in karate kid three to pay for the mr trees bondi uh but it's interesting you know to to see how far he's come now the attitude that adult daniel has uh is definitely different like you know there's some things that he does something that he says it's like wow this character has not changed one bit it's a 1947 ford super deluxe convertible you know and one of those things that no matter how hard he tries no matter how hard he uh how much he he, he puts on airs per se 
Um, he's per se. He, he's still kind of that awkward kid at heart. Yes, I mean he's he's definitely um, he had a tough time because you know when you're 16, 17, 18, 19, you're really forming the friendships that you're going to have for the next few years, you know, folks that you see in college, you know, because I don't think I keep in touch with anybody from high school. Like, if it wasn't for Facebook, I wouldn't even know what anybody was doing. Same. Like, I don't intentionally seek people out and say, hey, you were in high school with me. How are things? You know, and, you know, you know who you want to be associated with sort of around that age and because his main relationship like the real positivity he got was solely from hanging out with Miyagi that's really all he did like I'm astonished he was able to talk to a human woman well, you know, it's funny. His relationship with his wife reminds me of that meme that occasionally goes around uh, say, asking the question that, you know, um, why do shy, awkward men go for really assertive women? And somebody said, because somebody needs to tell the waitstaff uh, that I ordered fries not tater tots not yeah. mashed potatoes or something like that you know um and, and that's like the epitome of this relationship right here uh amanda is definitely the more assertive one she is feisty and she's a great character um you know she uh is definitely a a, a yin to daniel's yang so to speak although she um she does occasionally kind of uh um, take things a little too far because she she gets to the point where she's like, oh, I don't believe that this is what's going on. You guys are just being mature, immature. Um, and then she has her first experience with John Kreese and ends up with a restraining order. Well, yeah, because she slaps him. Yeah, but I mean, like, she's like, oh, you shouldn't do violence. Oh, karate. Oh, it's so, you know, you're overreacting. And then she gets her first interaction with him and then at the meeting, same thing. Like, she loses her cool after, like, spending this whole time, like, it's not that big of a deal, you guys and your peeing races. And <laughs> <laughs> But uh, when we're introduced to adult Daniel, you know, he's using this karate gimmick uh, for his car dealership. You know, he's going to slash the prices and Kick cut the, the competition. competition. Chop prices. Chop, chop prices. And... Um, you know, he has this uh, competition with a local, another local car dealership. And, uh, you know, every customer who purchases a car gets a bonsai tree as a parting gift, as a thank you for purchasing a car from LaRusso Auto, you know. Um, and it's really, it's so cheesy. So cheesy. Uh, but that's really the only... Um, karate-esque aspect in his life at that point. And we learned that uh, his daughter, Samantha, started learning karate at a younger age. Um, and then just, I don't know if she just lost interest in it. I think that's what it was. Just kind of... It grew out of it. You know, you're... Yeah. Yeah. Doing karate with dad wasn't cool anymore. I mean, that's probably what it was. Well, even he got out of it because, you know, they show him having to clean out the dojo... 
Like well, it was storage. But that's what I'm saying. You know, Samantha probably lost interest in it and he didn't feel that connection to it anymore because the last time he tried doing karate nine months later their son was born (laughs) that was the last time that he tried doing karate with amanda yes which i think was the last time they tried doing karate Um, so so anyways you know it's uh karate is this gimmick that he uses at his dealership do you think he yells miyagi do at the height of uh climax so stop or bonsai bonsai Bunday! Oh my god! I can't. I cannot with you, Mr. Miyagi. I did it. (laughs) No, no. You know that the first time he had sex, he went running to Mr. Miyagi. Mr. Miyagi, Mr. Miyagi. Remember the time I caught a fly with chopsticks? This is even better. (laughs) I did sex at a girl, Mr. Miyagi. I did it. Very good, Daniel son. You get trophy. <laughs> he didn't get a trophy. I forgot where I was going with my point now. Well, that he, did, he hadn't been doing karate. Because we had lost the spark, the joy of karate. Bunsy! Oh, my God. Okay, you're done. I'm going to cut your mic. <laughs> and... Through Johnny Lawrence finding, oh my God, I can't even do this anymore. That's it. We'll see you next Thursday. Um, no, through, through. You can only uh, get aroused when Amanda does a crane oh technique. Oh my God! Will you stop it? Anyways, I'm just making sure you have anything left. No, no, I, Are you good? You uh, done? I, I probably will think of something. Later. You done? Okay. Um, through a rekindling of his his I'm going to say quote unquote rivalry with Johnny Lawrence, um, and Johnny Lawrence uh, rekindling his you know love of karate and and finding that joy again. Daniel Russo rekindles that passion and finds joy again in karate uh again to create a rivalry between you know to 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 fuel that rivalry i should say rekindle it um you know and and that's part of this series that i enjoyed so much was not only the growth of these two characters daniel and johnny uh but some of the messages that this series is 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 kind of sending out uh one of those messages being age doesn't mean anything you unless it's the under 18 all valley tournament well well it, it, yes <laughs> yes there's that but you know it's never too late to find joy again in something that once gave you so much joy. It's 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 never too late. You're never too old to rekindle your passion for something. You know, and I think that's such especially right now, like that that message hit hard. I was like, oh, yeah. dude, you know, like I wasn't expecting that. And you know, it's not something that they come out and hit you over the head with. It's something that, you know, throughout watching this, especially I think, you know, we binged seasons one through four, so I watched them all like in the span of a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I mean, we were we were watching at least two, three episodes every night. Um, it's definitely something that I walked away from this uh, feeling, um, you know, uh, and not only that, you know, this this chance to leave a legacy that is bigger than you. So Daniel is dead set, dead set on teaching Miyagi karate. He opens up his own dojo uh, opposite of Cobra Kai, Miyagi-Do. And he's teaching students and uh, the, the, the Miyagi way of karate. And then he goes over to, he goes back to Okinawa um, as a trip because they're... Uh, to save their business. Right. Long story short, he's looking to save his business uh, and um, he f- finds old friends, one of them being chosen, and you think it's going to be this this whole, again, rivalry thing, and it's not. And chosen shows him that, yes, he learned Miyagi karate, but he didn't learn everything. And Chosen shows him what he wasn't taught and teaches him these new things to bring with him back to, you know, Miyagi-Do. And um, obviously he hasn't taught those to his students yet. He hasn't taught them to anybody. Because he kind of, uh, he's really set in his ways and he feels like he needs to teach Miyagi karate exactly how it is. And Miyagi karate is mostly defensive, if not all defensive. And he learns that you can't win with just defense alone, that others out there are learning different things, learning this kind of, you know, a a hybrid of karate. Um, And I think he's so... He's he's stubborn in the fact that he wants to stick to strictly Miyagi karate because he has to teach what he has been taught because that is how he's going to honor Mr. Miyagi's legacy. That's how he's going to honor his mentor, his his former sensei. And when, when in reality, Mr. Miyagi was teaching him Miyagi karate in hopes that he would take it and turn it into something else. Yeah, like he's like, I'm teaching you what I was taught and I want you to, you know, it, not in those exact to, words, but put your own spin on it. Right. Well, and, and he Advance says something it. he says something along those lines in one of the one of the films. Third movie. Um, you know, and it's just a, it's just a passing moment. But, you know, he says, you know, I, I pretty much saying like, I, I teach you this for you to take it and make it your own. And he had been teaching, you know, doing Miyagi karate and teaching Miyagi karate by the book. You know, this is how you do it. This isn't how you do it. And it's not until his daughter, Samantha, who gets back into karate, is a student of Miyagi-Do um, and also becomes a student of the... Eagle Fang. Eagle Fang, which (laughs) we'll talk about that next week. Um, You know, she she creates, she, she takes both and creates her version of this 
offensive defensive hybrid karate and it's not until that last episode of season four that this light bulb clicks in daniel's head like oh hey this is what he meant Right. Like, you this to... is what he was trying to teach me. You know, it, not only is it important for you to learn these different skills and do these different things, but it's also important to learn from other people and evolve as almost like as a evolve as a as a as an athlete, evolve as an artist, if you will, as a person, like well, take what I've taught too. you, you know, I've shown you how to do it because this is the way I was taught. And he he does the exact same thing that how he was taught. It's like, okay, this is how I'm going to teach it. But it's like, you know what? You need to put your own spin on it. And he starts to do that. Um, Because he, you know, he also learns through several trial and error uh, attempts that Miyagi-Do isn't the only way, especially when the Cobra Kai's are learning Miyagi-Do. So it's like, all right, we're learning how to do this so that we can defeat it. So you have to adapt, improvise, and overcome like that Bear Grylls guy. He eats lizards and drinks his own pee. So you know he's a good source of information. (laughs) Um, But we also see that in the first Matrix. Adaptation, improvisation, but your weakness is not your technique. Um, That's what Morpheus sends to Neo when they fight the first time. Um, but the whole thing is he was so set in his ways because Miyagi, uh, taught him everything that he knew Dan, that Daniel knew and it got him to where he was. So why deviate? His life has been so great up until the beginning of the whole Cobra Kai thing where, you know, all these problems start to arise and they just get worse because he stays the course and just says, this is what I'm going to do because this is what I was taught. So he, t- and Miyagi told him, it was like, this isn't just a karate lesson. This is a life lesson, you know, balance. And that's what he told him in the first movie after giving him the car before he drove off. He goes, that's not a karate lesson. This is a life lesson. And of all the lessons he should have taken to heart, that was the one he... I don't want to say he didn't reject it, but he kind of placed it low on the priority list or the list of priorities. That's what I meant. Um, So I think he could have done a lot more with it, but he didn't. It'll be interesting to see in this upcoming season of Cobra Kai. My guess is probably airing later on this year, beginning of, of next year. Um, I hope it's sooner rather than later. (laughs) Uh, It'll be interesting to see how the character of Daniel LaRusso evolves even more. Uh, He's starting to break from this rigidness that he has, realizing through his daughter, through his children, I should say, um, that, you know, he needs to evolve and adapt. And maybe the best thing for him and for... uh, his his school his students um and for everyone moving forward is to team up with johnny lawrence and you know put their differences aside because they really are kind of the same person 
Yeah, they're very, they're, very They're similar. really much, they're parallels to each other. Like, like really. And they're kind of on the same path. As far as karate goes, anyways. You know, life paths are, well, actually, no. They're kind of on the same life path, too. You know, trying to be better people for their be children. Be their own men. You know, not just take what life has given them. Um be different like you know walk your own path you know we'll talk a lot more about that with Johnny next week but I think that's that's part of it is they're trying to walk their own path and not let someone else dictate it um, for Daniel it's worked out uh, much differently than it has for Johnny you know, because we see him, the first thing that happens to him is he gets fired because he asked somebody to stop bitching at him because she she was in the wrong, but because she's the customer, you know, she gets to do whatever she wants. So, um, yeah, I totally agree with you. Like, they definitely are very similar, and multiple characters bring that up. Uh, Amanda brings it up. Allie brings it up. Um, you know, even... Uh, um, Samantha brings it up. Mm-hmm. So, I think it's it's a. Uh, I d- I generally don't go in for you know ty- these types of shows, but because Karate Kid was so near and dear to me, I was like, all right, I have to watch this. I have to know what happens, and I really like the fact that you get so much more depth and backstory, and you get to see these these kids and you get to see the different points of view you get to see where johnny was coming from why he did what he did how uh his home life and cobra kai made him act the way he did towards daniel and how that drove daniel to miyagi and how that changed the course of daniel's life you know and it's well i mean we didn't even talk about the split second that daniel joined cobra kai because miyagi refused to teach him uh to compete again he didn't want him to defend his title because in the first film he was he entered the tournament to prove that he could hold his own against uh cobra kai so they would leave him alone right it was also uh you know a deal struck between miyagi and crease like you tell your boys to leave daniel alone they'll meet at the all valley tournament and that's well the that's where they will hash it out um so that that was the Miyagi's way of of getting Cobra Kai off Daniel's back temporarily uh, but it worked for a bit um, while he trained Daniel and obviously Daniel went on to win so Daniel wanted to defend his title and Miyagi couldn't get past you know he he you know that's not what karate is about right you know miyagi's version of karate isn't about the belts it's not about the trophies it's not about the accolades it's about the art of doing right and it's not you know so all the stuff that daniel is now teaching he was actively railing against because it's like oh i want to defend my title and i'll only have to fight one match so he went to you know he deflected to cobra kai momentarily uh was taught by uh terry Terry silver Silver, um who ironically he is five months older than 
Yeah, that <laughs> seriously, in the in the series, it looks like there's like at least a 15, 20 year age gap between the two. And Ralph Macchio is the older older person. Yeah, it's uh, he's got some good genes. But yeah, he does karate in them. Yes, <laughs> we discussed that. And a shirt tucked in. Uh, but you know, it's 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 because it was the enticement of what Cobra Kai offers. It's the total opposite of what Miyagi Do uh, teaches. You know, it makes you feel strong. It makes you feel powerful. It gives you these these. Uh, these feelings of superiority, and he he uses that. Uh, Terry as, Silver manipulated the fuck out of that kid. Well, but I mean, but he uses that. He uses his brief time with Cobra Kai um, to teach his students. You know, because they're like, "Oh, well, Cobra Kai is doing this, or Eagle Fang is doing that," and he's like, "Well, this is what Cobra Kai does. Like, this is their form of karate." And I know firsthand because I was a member of Cobra Kai. Well, they said. If you're a Cobra Kai, you can't be, you know, you're once a Cobra Kai, always Cobra Kai, and you'll never change. We can't accept them into our group. And he's like, no, because I was Cobra Kai, and I changed. And they're all like, Right, because you see a lot of uh, students kind of deflecting from one dojo to the other. Defecting? Deflecting means you bounce off something. Yeah, they're bouncing off of one dojo into the other. (laughs) Um I they're said what rick- I said. They're ricocheting around. No, the uh, there's a lot of changing of allegiances because these are teenagers. So there's a lot of bouncing around. Well, from... I mean, in some of these teenagers, and again, like some of these kids are, are fantastic. But, you know, this is a time where some of these kids are um, gaining a moral compass. And they're starting to figure out who they are because, I mean, they're 15, 16, 17 years old. Like, they don't know who they are yet. They don't know, you know, and again, you know, the main, the two main characters, Miguel and Robbie, neither of them have a father figure, and they're getting fathered from all three angles, four angles, if you count Terry Silver. Mm-hmm. You've got Johnny, you've got Daniel, you've got Crease, you've got Terry Silver, all four of them, all trying to get their, like, because they bounce around, except Miguel really just... Stays loyal to Johnny. But he does when he... Um, he does have a moment where he's falls under the spell of John Kreese. Well, no, I was going to talk about, you know, when he was training with Miyagi-Do and they decided to do the hybrid thing momentarily. That's because he was and thinking he was... with his wiener. No, but he, you know, well, I mean, yeah, he's he's dating Samantha LaRusso. He was having some intense training sessions with, with Sam. But what I'm trying to say is that, you know, he was training under Daniel and so was... Uh, he was starting to understand the value of both styles. Yes, yes. And and the value of having a relationship with both people. Yeah, and I think Sam definitely helped that along because he was in uh, his story very much um mirrors Daniel's story, you know, at the you know, having dinner at his girlfriend's rich parents' house and you know, they've got all this stuff and they've got a nice place and they live in the nice neighborhood, and he lives in Reseda. And, you know, when he finds out that, you know, 
Daniel never went to college because she's like, oh, I'm going to go to Stanford and I'm going to go here and I'm going to go there. And he's like, oh, I, I'm thinking about, you know, wearing some old clothes and standing on the beach and begging for money, you know, like, but when he finds out that Daniel never went to college and he's like, oh, well, you know, here I am thinking that I have to go to this specific college or I'll never be good enough. You know, I get it. I understand. Um, I know we've been going for about an hour on Daniel LaRusso, so we should probably wrap this up because this is going to be one of our longest episodes ever. Uh, do you have any final thoughts you want to add before we uh, sign off on Daniel LaRusso and do our final segment? I am really excited to uh, continue this conversation next episode. Yeah, same. So we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back... We have a new battle for you, because I think that's going to be fun and interesting, mm-hmm. and uh, a couple other things, so we'll be right back. Hey, this is Andre Gower from the Monster Squad and Wolfman's Got Nards. Hey, this is Andre Gower from the Monster Squad and Wolfman's Got Nards, a documentary, and you are listening to Throwdown Thursday. And we are back. Uh, I hope you enjoyed that in-depth discussion about Daniel LaRusso and, um, you know, also the opening of talking about our favorite childhood movies that still hold up today. Um, there's, there's a lot of information out there. There's a lot of, you know, we're, we're looking at three movies and four coming into five seasons of a TV show. So there's a lot of information about Daniel. And we obviously have you know, varied opinions on who he is, where he's going, where he's come from. So uh, we definitely want to hear from you. If you have any thoughts about Daniel, Mr. Miyagi, uh, anybody from the show, Johnny Lawrence, reach out to us, let us know. Uh, You can also hit us up on our email, throwdownthursdaypodcast at gmail.com, or just let us know in the Facebook group what you think, any uh, thoughts and feelings that you might have on these characters. Have your opinions changed or have they remained uh, the same after watching Cobra Kai and seeing the films? Has anybody gotten better or worse? Um, let us know. But uh, we have a new battle for you. The first battle of 2022. And when we have a new battle, what we does that mean? We have to play the battle theme. It's not So 
So what do we got this week? So this week we are throwing down the Sensei Showdown. Which Karate Kid or adult has what it takes to kick the competition and be the last karate master standing? I will say karate adult doesn't quite have the... Right? It would have to be like Aikido adult and then you would have to talk about Steven Seagal and no thanks. That's not happening. Uh, So the sandbox is... Hong Kong Kumite Tournament. Did I say that correctly? Yes, uh, because they reference blood sports so many times in uh, this most recent season of uh, Cobra Kai, especially where they go to the drive-in to see it. Uh, I feel this is appropriate. And the special guest referee is Pat E. Johnson. Uh, For those of you who don't know, Pat Johnson played the referee... Uh, with the fantastic mustache in Karate Kid. He also, I learned this watching a uh, an interview, a podcast interview, a uh, recent one with uh, Martin Cove, who plays John Kreese. Um, Pat Johnson trained Pat Morita, Dan, uh, Ralph Macchio, John, uh, William Zabka, Martin Cove, all the Cobra Kais. He trained all of them and was the fight coordinator for the first film. And he played the referee. So he was a very, very busy man. So he was teaching a bunch of different styles. Uh, it's it's pretty awesome. Uh, I do want to throw something out there because I, I totally forgot about when we were talking to about Amanda. Uh, at one point she refers to when she has that confrontation with John Kreese and she slaps him. She refers to him as Rambo, which I thought was a nice touch because Martin Cove was a douchebag from Rambo First Blood Part 2. Okay, so back to the Sensei Showdown. You can choose from Daniel LaRusso, Johnny Lawrence, John Kreese, or Terry Silver. Yeah, when you originally approached this, you were like, what if we had Miyagi? And I was like, Miyagi has beaten all of them. Literally has beaten all of them, and they never laid a, a, a finger on them. Like, And you were like, yeah, that's true. So like, everyone would just vote for Miyagi, and it would be over. So it's as they are now in Cobra Kai. The training, the skills, the ages. Uh, and we've seen a couple of confrontations go back and forth with these guys. So, I mean, there was a point. Uh, Terry Silver did beat the crap out of Johnny Lawrence. Um, he was kind of ambushed, but still. He was also very drunk. But still, you know, um, obviously John Kreese and Terry Silver, despite their ages, are in... Uh, really top karate fighting there's something to be said for experience um we see this all the time with athletes as they get older mm-hmm. and don't get me wrong you know karate uh, martial artists are are very much athletes where you know like pitchers you know like they don't have as much jump on their fastball so they start relying on other pitches you know they use their like Tom Brady doesn't throw the ball the way he did 20 years ago. You know, he doesn't have the same arm strength, but he relies on different motions and he does different things. Um, you know, when you don't have the physical speed and endurance and whatnot that you had when you were younger, you have to start relying on different things. And martial arts really lends itself well to those types of um, uh, overcoming adversity moments 
Right, right. Because like you said, it's uh, it's not so much about strength, but it's about skill. Yeah, it doesn't even and matter your speed. Like, I don't think Miyagi was the fastest of all of those opponents that he faced. And karate is one of those, um, we'll say sports. Disciplines. Disciplines that, uh, it's a lot about smarts and what you know. Anticipating your opponent's next move. Um, I can tell you from personal experience, if you start watching someone perform a series of moves, you're like, okay, this is the specific combination that they're going to throw at me. I know how to counter this. Like, there was there were sequences we would learn in Kung Fu, and then we would learn the counter sequences. And, like, they fit together like a puzzle where no one would get hit. They were offensive and defensive moves where you would do them together it's like all right well i'm gonna throw this punch well i'm i'm gonna throw this block you know it was it was really cool to do it was it was it's like when you watch it on tv or in your you're watching a movie and it's like oh these things are like perfectly choreographed it's like yes i want you to do x technique and you're gonna do counter x technique and depending on the amount of uh experience you have you can recognize it's like okay he's in you know, horse stance, I know to counter that, I need to get into tiger stance. You know, it's it's really cool. So somebody these guys age, you know, Miyagi's age, you know, like Terry Silver says, like, we're the old men now. You know, so they have to kind of uh, take on that Miyagi role and use their experience because they're not as fast or as strong as they once were. You know, to quote Kathy Bates as Tawanda in Fried Green Tomatoes, you may be younger and faster, but I'm older and I have more insurance. I thought you you were going to say, I like fried green tomatoes. No, there's this scene I, where... Yeah, the, the parking spot. Yes. I'm familiar with it. Yes. I haven't seen the movie, but I'm familiar with that scene because it's... Tawanda. It's awesome. Yeah, and she, she... Yeah, she hits him with her car. And well, not them. She hits her, their, their car, car with her, her car. car, and they get freaked out because they're like, "Ah, oh, you're too slow, old lady." And she's like, "I'll just drive over you and face bring- it. We're younger and faster." She's like, "Face it, I'm older and I have more insurance." And she brings them up to their cabin and makes her write, makes them write her a, a new novel. And she breaks their legs with a sledgehammer. Ah, uh, you might be getting your Kathy Bates film mixed up. Yeah, I'm thinking of about Schmidt. <laughs> yes yes you are uh so anyways next week we will be talking about johnny lawrence part three of our karate kid cobra kai series and that'll be wrapping up this three-part series yeah i this... mean i think we should do more more of these type of things because we've done like two character arcs but with this it's really, especially with Cobra Kai, it's really the story between Karate Kid and Cobra Kai. It's really the story of these three characters. Like, they're the real main focus, especially because I would say 14% of Ralph Macchio's lines are Mr. Miyagi. Like, it's easily 14%. Um, or Miyagi Do. He says those words at least 27 times. I think he gets a bonus for every time he says Miyagi, if he can work it into the script somehow. I mean, if you take a shot every time he says Miyagi you'll or be Mr. Dead. Miyagi or Miyagi-Do, yeah, you'll be dead. You'll be, like, totally shamammered within, like, the first 
five minutes of watching anything. Yeah, just just uh, Miyagi. That's all you got to do. If, um, but yeah, this has been a lot of fun. Like this has been uh, a section of characters that I've wanted to cover for a while. But you needed to see all the the movies, and were the most recent season of Cobra Kai just dropped a few weeks ago. Um, I thought it was a good time. You know, this has given everybody a chance to see the most recent season, or if they hadn't ca- caught any of it, catch up on it like we did, because they're only like 22 to 30 minutes per episode. You know, I wasn't really expecting it to be such a quick watch, uh, but it was. And the each episode flew by, and a lot of episodes end on kind of this... Uh, I'll say cliffhanger, you know, to the point where you want to watch the next episode because you want to know what's you want to know uh, what's happening in the story. You want to further yourself in the story, you you know. So um, and obviously they leave season four. Season four is season on this huge cliffhanger. Season three is a huge cliffhanger. Um, Season two is a huge cliffhanger. And now I'm just left waiting with the rest of you, you know, what's going to happen. Yeah. So I think this is a good place to wrap up because we're at around two hours at this point. Um, Did you have anything else you wanted to add? Nothing that can't wait until next week. All right. So let's uh, wrap this up. Um, We hope you enjoyed the episode and we will see see you you next next Thursday. Thursday. Rocks on. Wax on.